Hello, welcome to Happy Tears! I'm Brandon. And I'm Nick. And this is a podcast about art, media, and pop culture, and the things we love so much so that they often bring us to tears. Today we are talking about Childish Gambino's Guava Island short film and Tom York's Anima album and short film. Correct. But first, hey dude. What's up, man? What's uh, What's been going on in your life? Just trying to get into some new music that's out. I really, if we're going straight into Happy Tears here, uh, Brittany Howard has that new single out. Does she? Re- I was Stay literally High. just talking about her yeah. the other day and how I haven't heard new music from her in forever. Dude, and it, it is a music video along with it that Terry Crews starts it. Nuh-uh. Dude, so good. This is news to me. The the song is amazing, first of all. And even if there was no video involved, I would be emotional from it. But the video is just so wholesome. It's wholesome. Good. Wholesome. That's nice. Yeah. Check it out. I'm excited. Yeah. I got to check it out. Her voice is just crazy good, too. It's always awesome to hear. We were talking about the 30-day music challenge. <laughs> we were. One of the things is a, a someone whose voice you love. Bam. Alabama Shakes. Perfect. I know. There's been a lot of new music out. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm so far behind. Like, I listened a little bit to Jaden Smith's mm-hmm. album, and then Jaden Smith's sister, uh, whose name escapes Willow? me, Willow Smith, dropped a thing, mm-hmm. and several other people that I, I still haven't listened to. I'm very behind on my on my things. Uh, there's a big Chance the Rapper album. Chance! Holy shit! Yeah. yeah. Huge. I listened Huge to the release. opening track yesterday. Good. <laughs> and it was good. <laughs> Second one's good too. Oh, good. Third one's pretty good as well. Okay. It was actually pretty fun. I was at, I was at a water park actually, which I'm typically not a, the biggest fan of for many reasons, but Do you have a number one reason? I don't know how wasteful they are. Oh, wasteful in terms of water water, water resources? I don't know. Interesting. I don't know if they've gotten I don't know what the technology is now <laughs> for water parks and if they if waste less water than they used to. I liked them a ton as a kid. I still, I just haven't been to one in a while. Um, it was fun though. And I, it came out that day. And so I listened on a, uh, a chair just lounging at a, at a water park and it fit the mood for the first few songs for sure. Yeah. It's pretty cool. And some throughout. And then I came home and tried it again. I, don't love it. Really? Yeah. Wow. How do you feel about the I other stuff? I feel kind of, I mean, I liked the last release a lot. Okay. Before that, I mean, I was huge early in his career. So, I was so on board. This specifically sure. is, has fallen off, in your opinion. Yeah, it sounds fine. It's just, it's one, it's too long. It's like a, an hour and 17, I think. Just not enough stuff that just catches. It just sounds kind of like polished and fine, but not anything that's, sticks out a lot and sort of just meh huh that's a bummer parts of songs that i enjoyed and i still think he has his there's a bunch of collaborators there's some cool ones on there i just feel like he kind of maybe some of that personality individual personalities lost a little bit and just seems pretty tame i don't know i haven't thought through this enough yet but i still that's kind of my initial reaction to it hopefully it grows over time it started i feel like it started pretty strong with those first uh, couple songs but i've really liked like my as far as hip-hop albums go bandana the one we discussed last time the slow tie album is a uk artist and little sims also uk artist those have been my three that i've listened to most this year and and like the most but i don't know i was pretty excited for it but yeah because i've been doing that 30-day music challenge i've mostly been listening to Older, you know, like music that I already like rather than checking yeah. out new stuff. And that's always fun too. Yeah. Sometimes I realize like, yeah, it just feels great to sit down and listen to something you liked five or 10 years ago instead of, and sometimes those sound fresh too, which is really cool. Yeah. Oh man. But, I mean, it didn't sound fresh, but when I put on Say Anything, yeah. God, I love that band. <laughs> and it's, it's, I can see that for sure. <laughs> it's, I'm like the target demo, like, <laughs> sad emo boys but man man i love it yeah they're great another thing that did come out that i um got pretty emotional watching was the idols 
at Glastonbury performance. They I, do a, a I know nothing dude, about go check this. it out. It's like they well first they just released one they did Danny Nandelko, which is a great song by them. But and then they released the whole thing. But that particular Danny Nadelko performance, uh the lead singer just gets super emotional being this is like his dream. He realized the stakes of this and he's you could tell he's just um super appreciative, but also the themes in the song resonate with political atmosphere there as well and just kind of all of the all of the emotion involved was apparent. That's pretty great. cool. It's cool. Nice. And they're amazing. I saw them here at Curtain Club and it was incredible show. Mm. R.I.P. to the Curtain Club. Yep. Although I thought it was a terrible venue and hated being there anyway. <laughs> That's fair. I have seen a couple great shows in the past year there. So I played there once. Yeah. In high school. So there's that. <laughs> Must be a terrible venue. <laughs> <laughs> if, they were, if they book any band that I was in, yeah, dude. Real low standards. Yeah. Oh man, the energy in this show was fantastic, though. It was it's good. I'm not a I'm not necessarily a pit boy. I kind of hang. I've seen you in the out. pit a little bit. Uh, you're yeah. kind of the backside. Yeah, of backside. It, just right. kind of like feeling the energy, but not pit adjacent. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and uh, I was all in on this show. Oh, yeah. Getting down and dirty. I was so sweaty. Nice. It was worth it. Gina was up on the balcony watching, so that was fun. Very cool. But check out that. That performance and then that... Uh, Just on the YouTubes? Yep. Dan and Delco, Idols, Glastonbury, and then Stay High, Brittany Howard. Happy Tears. Oh, yeah. Let's go. Happy Tears. Got him. Get him. First thing we're talking about today is... Guava Island, which is a short movie musical film directed by Hiro Murai. It was written by Stephen Glover, who is Donald Glover's brother. The movie is set on the fictional island of Guava, and it stars Donald Glover as Denny and Rihanna as Kofi. Denny is a musician and radio personality on this small island, and Kofi is his girlfriend. The island is... A small, I guess, industrial. It's kind of it's it's like a fictional kind of Caribbean island, right? Where uh, they have one resource, and it's this blue silk that mm-hmm. they export, and it's the basically the only big industry on this island. It is run by this guy named Red, and he is this big political and industrial heavyweight that essentially runs the whole island. Yeah, it's like an authoritarian type figure. And... Exactly. The basic plot is Donald Glover's Denny is planning a big concert on Saturday night, but it's kind of the secret affair that the authorities don't really want to happen because of it. If there's a big show Saturday night, nobody's going to go to work on Sunday. It's the basic idea. Donald Glover just wants the people to feel free and liberated, and so he wants to, to kind of have this moment together. The authority figures try to bribe him out of the the event. Yeah. And trouble ensues. <laughs> it does. Part of the reason why I wanted to talk about this mm-hmm. mostly because uh Donnie G is my hero. I th- you know this this dropped it's it's a little old now what probably 2 months ago. It came out during Coachella. I thought it was an interesting visual pairing with music cuz I guess the interesting thing about the film is that it is a musical in in that in traditional musicals there is dialogue and they talk and there's a, there are scenes and then they break into song. Right, right. And so what they've done with this particular musical is when they break into song, they're actually breaking into Childish Gambino songs. So This Is America is a track, uh, Summertime Magic, basically his last four or five singles yeah. that he's released. I don't know that I've ever seen a film that incorporated popular music like this. And I get, it's not like pop radio songs for the most part. Yeah. But like This Is America, which was a huge kind of cultural phenomenon mm-hmm. because of the music video right. and, and, and all that. And so I thought it was an interesting way to take existing music from a from an artist mm-hmm. and, and visualize it. Yeah. There might be, I'm, I mean, I'm thinking of some ones that kind of have more of a narrative structure with like from a particular album 
but setting like a having this like fictional setting creating its own world and then having these dance numbers and stuff come in i'm not sure there's i've seen something like specifically like that right some music videos have narrative elements where they maybe break away from the actual song and have yeah. a scene or something but this is a, a much bigger endeavor because it's an hour-long short film. right yeah there's films like purple rain which have you seen purple rain I have, yeah, but it's it's been a while. Yeah, so I have not, and I'm I really wish that I had spent the time to watch that before we sat down because I was reading some articles about this film, mm-hmm. and they were saying that like although Purple Rain's not the like the best movie, mm-hmm. but the spirit of it is kind of what they were trying to emulate in yeah, some ways. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he also referenced the film City of God, which yeah, I haven't totally... seen and wanted to watch. Oh man, it. it's you can definitely tell that influence there. Yeah. For sure. Did you enjoy this film? Yeah, I did. I I mean, we'll get into it here, but I I definitely did like it a lot. The one thing, it felt a little bit like a really fun, cool project that, I mean, has serious themes behind it and stuff. It seems like there was room to grow. Like, there's one step further where I feel like it could be a little more in, impactful. And I love what they did with it. It seemed like, like all the elements, I think, came together well. I just think you can flesh out a story a little more make it a little longer make it feel more like a something that would be released in a you know to go see yeah than like a project but i love i love how he released it i love coachella and then have it um streaming and stuff is it's really it's a really cool project for sure i have some thoughts on like plot elements and stuff yeah let's talk about some of the content of it and then i do want to come back to the the way they distributed it for sure stuff because that's very interesting yeah i really liked how they um they open the film with this kind oh, of yeah. animated Dude, it's so beautiful. opening that's narrated by Rihanna's character. Mm-hmm. The animation is stylized. I don't know how to really describe it. Yeah, it's just super like colorful, vibrant, flat style with a bunch of textures that mm-hmm. um like when the characters were moving, it it was cool how the textures kind of like it was almost as if they were green screened. Right, like right, the, right. Like the like his shirt was green screened, and so as he moved, yeah. the texture behind it kind of st- didn't move if that makes sense you, you know what i'm yeah, saying because yeah. you and i saw it but yeah. i don't really know how to describe you'll, it exactly. you'll notice it if you just watch the characters like uh, shirts or whatever but, yeah in the first minute of but it. all of it all the style was really really cool and i'm i'm a huge fan of those animated movies that have distinct styles anyways like boy in the world did you ever see that i did not it's a brazilian film i think it came out a few years ago but also like very colorful really really cool animation but stuff that just strays from the the norm like the stuff that we see from Disney or whatever, but yeah, uh, yeah, I loved how it kind of takes you into the world of color and stuff on a Caribbean island. But the animation was great. I mean, I could have watched a film like that. Totally, I think it was a really smart choice of the content of it is actually kind of heavy in terms of like authoritarian right. regimes and kind of censorship, right? Yeah, for sure. I think with the opening, the animated sequence kind of adds levity to it. It makes it feel like a fairy tale. Yeah. Because it's, it's very much narrated kind of in this once upon a time right, quality. Right, right. So when it starts, we, we meet Denny and Kofi. They're, I think, almost immediately they have chemistry. Practice is perfection. I can do it when no one is listening. Well, the part you didn't run was... Beautiful. It's funny. That's what my other girlfriend say. I was joking. I was joking. Um, Rihanna's character, she doesn't, re- there's not a lot to her character, yeah. which is kind of a bummer. I wish they had given her more plot other than she's just kind of a device for Don Glover's character to yeah. experience the world. And I also think that Donald could have chemistry with a mannequin because he's he just exudes... Yeah, charisma. Charisma. I did, so basically the whole film, Donald is wearing his, like, short shorts and the open Hawaiian shirt yeah. that kind of Childish Gambino is kind of famous for. He's kind of gotten away from it recently in in mm-hmm. photos and SNL performances and stuff, but for, like, years. Like, every time I saw him on ACL, that's what he wore, and I, I kind of, I wondered, like, did they just look at his wardrobe and say, how do we make a film around that? <laughs> like, that's the <laughs> genesis of it. <laughs> Did you at any point bump on his fake island accent? Yeah, I, I mean, I know that that's a has been a critique for it. It doesn't really bother me. Yeah, and I've even heard maybe there was some 
intention behind some of it. Oh, really? I haven't thought about that too much, but I, because he seems like a pretty careful actor and and uh, creator, so I I could see a world where he there's some intentionality behind it. But you're in this fictional place, anyways. It doesn't. That's true. Yeah, I, I don't see a big issue with it. It didn't distract me. It it distracted me sometimes just because he went in and out of it a lot. He did, yeah, yeah. So we say it's a musical and it and it is, but the performances are actually kind of sparse. There are a couple that are woven into the story in that like he's playing a song live on the radio yeah. and then he's playing a concert later. Right. The first one we get, I think, is This Is America. It's probably the least woven into the story. He just kind of goes into, breaks into song, which honestly I wasn't even, because you don't really know it's a musical until that happens. Yeah. Or at least, unless you already know about it. Right. I didn't know it was a musical first watching it, so it kind of caught me off guard. I enjoyed it, but I think part of why I enjoy it is just because Donald Glover is so damn charismatic. Yeah, he is. And uh, the choreo is great. It's surprising and it feels like something like important, I feel like, right off the the bat and it it fits right along with the theme of you know exploitating people and right stuff. anytime getting rich comes from getting somebody else rich right. that's america like that's a version of the line that yeah. they say all the sounds during that they're so cool machinery sound or whatever they they add to the song from the actual uh environment that they're in yeah no i thought that that was really cool like the way that they the song actually start like he starts by singing the we just want to party yeah like that stuff but then they're at this like industrial they're at like the docks or something and somebody clacks on like flips the switch on on this giant piece of industrial machinery and this you know they have that like kind of low hum of the machine and that's where the baseline of of the song that this is America yeah. comes from. And so they, they're incorporating all these industrial sounds. Right. Um, yeah. I thought that was cool. New cool. take and choreography was really cool. I thought the image when they're all like, when they all get to the laying down and doing the, the like heart pumps, I think that that image is so cool. I thought so too. I really enjoyed um, once the song is like almost over, basically over. So the the guy he's like singing to goes over to like, he grabs a phone to like call the bosses, which would get everybody in trouble. Yeah. And Donald Glover does this, I, honestly, I, I called it a Jim Carrey impression where yeah. he's just kind of like weirds him out in <laughs> right, order for exactly. him to not call yeah, the bosses. Yeah, that's a perfect, yeah, Jim Carrey always does that. It was so Jim Carrey. Yeah. It was very Ace Ventura. Yeah. And I really enjoyed it. I did love all the, uh, the kind of smaller details of just kind of world building and just story building, like between the bigger scenes. Mm-hmm. You know, like right after that performance of This is America, he gets abducted and taken to Red, who offers him the bribe to not do the thing. And then after that scene, you know, it just goes to like Rihanna on the beach or something. But between the transition between was just like a guy with these Caribbean percussion drum instruments. We just spent like 15, 20 seconds with this guy playing drums, playing like island drums, basically. And they did that a couple times where it was just the transitions were nothing related to the story and everything related to the environment. It felt authentic and it felt like you were in it. I agree. And I think that the even just like the aspect ratio, I can't. Do, do you know if it was shot on 16 millimeter or is it a treatment to it? Because I don't know great. for sure. It really looks authentically 16 millimeter, but yeah. I don't have the best eye for that. Yeah, I couldn't tell if it was. It definitely appears that way. So they did a good job if it was something in post. But all that added to the the feel of the film for sure. Right, because it definitely feels like it was shot in the 90s or like it feels stuck in time somewhere. Right, right? like they're everyone's listening to radios. Like that's how they're yeah, all listening exactly. to the local radio station. And and I think that adds to the this being a fictional island and it pulls you into the world even even more. I think right. feels even more like a fairy tale or, yeah, or something. On that, though, just talking about City of God as well, like, we definitely check that out. It's a film set in, in Rio, and I feel like colors, characters, even, like, the camera work and some of the... It's focused around kids as well, and so, like, when the, the kids come up and not attack, but... They try to, like, mug him at the yeah, beginning? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was very reminiscent of, of City of God to me. But then there's another film called Black Orpheus. I haven't seen it. I've always wanted to, but... A lot of this reminded me of, I've just seen like photos in the trailer from that. This reminded me a lot of it. And it's a, because it's a criterion that I've been wanting for a while. So I'm sure that this was uh, influenced by, by that film as well. 
Do you have any other big thought? Like, I don't have any other real specific thoughts about the plot. No, I just think it, yeah, I think it kind of just plays out. It's a pretty simple storyline. I thought it was executed really well. The acting was good. I agree with your point that Rihanna's character could have just had a little little more some substance. And I think if it was longer and like a bigger production that we could have gotten just some more of that but yeah i thought it was a really believable and immersive world and simple story executed really well i really like that what's the song that they he plays on the beach summertime magic yeah with the drums the steel drums right right yeah that was cool. i still love that in the way that that was filmed and i thought that the dancing was great and infectious my favorite shot in the whole thing it's what they used in a lot of the marketing of it it's that yeah, big it's that wide, wide shot, shot. Oh, of yeah. them on the on the pier or whatever yeah, i the wrote dock. that down as one of my it's so great yeah really cool i did love the festival scene i thought it was really really fun some of the the camera movement in there and then the way that song was it's like a live festival performance put into a narrative is really interesting how they have that as a part of uh, like a narrative film as a whole, I thought was really cool. Right. That song was great. Oh, yeah. Um, he played it at his concert here in Dallas, the one where oh, he really? broke his foot. Yeah. There are a couple songs that are currently unreleased by yeah. Josh Gambino that, are, that, he that are in that he played in the concert. Yeah. Cool. I mean, I'm super excited for that next project. Yeah, for sure. I do love the shot when he, when he's like running off the hide after the festival. Mm-hmm. That whole sequence, I really really loved and then yeah just the parade at the end i thought it was that part reminded me of like what how we respond to icons or artists dying and having that art live on and having the like celebrating what they've doing that is honoring them and their work and their their life but i I was reminded of like how arcade fire did like a, a really big parade for when david bowie died and it had that same that same sort of feeling of like that's cool the joy and stuff that comes from from music and it was on full display and and i think i mean this was totally different context than david bowie's death right but i think that the spirit of that is still like there's hope in it and we're rising above and this you're not going to stop us playing playing this so moving on to the release of it yeah it was very interesting how they debuted it at coachella yeah I think the next day it was available on Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know, man. I think it's a really interesting way to drop something. Yeah. First of all, and and I think it's gonna pave, maybe not pave the way, but it, well, no, I think it'll influence releases by other artists in the future. I think yeah. you know, Lemonade was a huge kind of a game changer in terms of. She dropped a whole visual album by surprise and put it on HBO. So now we're seeing more and more artists collaborating with streaming services and other outlets rather than just putting their stuff on YouTube. Yeah. I'm thinking of like when, do you remember when Kanye had the big listening parties and stuff for Life of Pablo or like really the main one, I think it was in, was in Madison Square Garden, but you can imagine something like that, but with a visual component would be even cooler i think yeah and this i agree this kind of can open up avenues to to do that or for people to get more creative with how they're releasing things and just what we've done so far last time having doing the national it seems like that's a popular thing this this year like having a, a visual component i think it helps especially if you have a tone or atmosphere you're trying to create with your album a visual component that's really interesting and what people get people talking about it is really cool The next topic of discussion yeah. would be the short film and album by Tom York collaborating with Paul Thomas Anderson called Anima. Correct. The short film, which debuted on Netflix, is a 15-minute film that, unlike the one from The National, I'm Easy to Find, which we talked about in the previous episode, this is kind of a, it's more of an interpretive dance yeah, piece yeah. that goes through a number of environments and locations but it seems to be telling kind of one continuous loose story yeah, where this guy they call, or, they call like a one reeler i think is what oh, they're really? calling it french belgian choreographer damien gelay is who he collaborated with on this and diana roncioni uh is his partner and that's who 
was a female lead in this. Oh, really? Yeah. His like life partner. Yeah, and she's a she's an Italian actress. Do you know anything about the choreographer? Like, have you seen anything? Other, I have seen other, work? other works, just videos, and um, that he's done, but um, I haven't been to any live things. I I did look into um, some different performances, and he has. Yeah, he just does a bunch of really cool stuff. And he and he was the choreographer for uh, Suspiria, which Tom York also worked on, um, or the remake of Suspiria, which I have not seen yet, but I've listened to the uh, soundtrack, and it was really great. I've heard the choreography in that is, like, one of the special parts of the film, so definitely need to get around to it. Yeah, he has a, I guess, a dance performance, a live one that he calls, that's called Skid, I think, and it, you know how some of this is on that, like, diagonal Like an inclined surface. plane. Yeah. yeah. I think the whole performance dance piece is a lot of what we see in this. I mean, it's different choreography, but similar, but it's a live thing where you're, you know, you're in an auditorium looking straight, and it's an uphill thing from where you're looking in there, kind of constantly going. It's pretty, it looked pretty amazing. Yeah. Taking a slight step back, I should admit up top mm -hmm. that I've never listened to a Radiohead album in my life. Well, that's not entirely true. I've listened to a couple tracks on OK Computer mm -hmm. at your insistence, but I haven't done a true deep dive. Yeah. And I'm not anti-Radiohead, I just missed it. It was just something that right. that I never really got into. So while Donald Glover is my favorite person on the planet, <laughs> Tom York is nothing to me in terms yeah. of, you know, like I, I just have never really consumed anything he's ever made. Right. Which is different from you, right? You're a, you would call yourself a fan? Yeah, huge Radiohead fan. So this is a, a solo album from him and he's done a couple of those and I've liked what he's done in the past, but I do like this more than his other releases. He's always been interested in a lot of this like electronic music, and he's brought that in on Radiohead albums. He also had uh, an album called Amok with Adams for Peace, which is another project he had. I like them all, especially uh, Amok, but it just seemed like you could tell specifically Tom York, you know that there's some, it seemed like maybe something's missing that the, the Radiohead had, whether it was like just the brilliance of the other guys in the band and what they add and song structure and all these things. Um, I still think there's some really great songs on them, but particularly on Animide, I think it has the most soul to it out of his solo releases. I really like it. I'm looking forward to to more listens. And I know, listen, he's a really great Zane Lowe interview you should check out if, if you um, haven't. And he talks about some of the themes of the album. They talk about some songs too, but he just, Tom York just seems like he's in a better place than he was. He's always kind of had a, Seems like he had a chip on his shoulder towards the media and stuff like that. And this just seemed like a pretty relaxed interview. And I never, haven't really seen him like that before. <laughs> well, the thing that my girlfriend always, because she, she loves Radiohead, but she'll always say, they're assholes, but they make great music. Like, <laughs> I, I know that Tom York has a uh, reputation of being a dick. Yeah. And I don't, and I think it was always playing into his, like, his ideas and the way he thought about, like, what, the media was doing to music and technology and stuff. I think he was just so anti that, that he came across that way intentionally. Right. Either way, I, I think he kind of opens up in this, this album and there's even some like kind of playful stuff. And a lot of it comes from, or just the title anima is a Jungian, Carl Jung, Jungian term. Okay. Uh, meaning like the subconscious feminine parts of a man. Really? Or yeah. That's interesting. I didn't so, know that. I think also in Latin it's um it means the like vital animating force, like a solar spirit of something. But I think in particular this is more towards Jung's theory. But he's a Carl Jung's a Swiss psychiatrist and psychoanalyst. I see. So he's the like founder of analytical psychology. Oh, okay. He has this that theory of where there's a feminine part of the male and them. And I think maybe anim well, the other one is the more masculine part of a female. But them being like subconscious elements of our being and I think it kind of informs what you're watching in the film because it's a specifically two main characters and and you see it in some of the, the lyrics of on the album and and stuff. He's real fascinated by dreams and 
the role they play in our lives and stuff like that. Yeah, Tom it, is, yeah. So. It, it was helpful watching it because you and I watched it today. Right. And I didn't watch it with the subtitles on previously. Yeah. That was helpful. Just gleaning. Because some of the lyrics, because of the the way they chose yeah. to do the production, are not entirely... Uh, you can't really understand what they're saying sometimes. Right, or you're maybe a little more focused on there's a lot going on. Right. And his voice already has kind of that where it will can be ethereal and stuff. But Well, okay, so what did you think of this visual, Yeah, the film that, that they put to it? Because it's very abstract. Yeah, it is abstract. I really liked it for multiple reasons. I love the feeling of it, the choreography. It starts out you're on this um, subway, and it's already getting into like this weird kind of territory where all of the writers are doing the same thing and right oh it's it's weird from the get-go <laughs> yeah <laughs> just their their movements are like they're like nodding off kind of constantly and going to different positions you get the sense that they're on their way somewhere but all these people are kind of like stuck in this system or stuck in this reality and yeah have it, the same motions and things like that right and their motion is not uh what i would call natural their continuous motion is not but you can imagine them taking all of these positions at different points like exactly but it's almost it reminded me almost like a robot that is malfunctioning <laughs> and and kind of yeah, they kind of jerking you know it's very jerky a lot of ups and downs of the head and the neck, right. you know, it, it, there is... It is, it's like when, I mean, it's when you see someone like not off and falling asleep and their head goes forward and snaps. Right. But then it's back and then there's hand motions and positioning throughout. But really it's just all these people are all doing this on the subway. Right. And then Tom and the female character that in the film, they, they kind of catch a glance at one another. From there, it seems like these two people are different. They're going to do something different. The first time through this, I was kind of just letting this wash over. I was fascinated by what it was doing visually and uh, the journey that it was on, but I wasn't taking, trying to analyze too much. But I do think it's two people deciding that their connection or deciding to connect outside of the norm or outside of status quo or whatever. And then that connection is, is uh, important getting out of routine and I think what it's depicting is is our age now, but also like a this is like a dystopian future is what it feels like. Right, definitely. And so you see that he's kind of broken this mold and there's a glance at each other and then from there it goes. And and I didn't realize the first time like he, he picks up this when they all get off this train, he picks up this box. Looks like a little toolbox, like, yeah, like a lunch box, yeah. toolbox, something. Yeah, it's like a metal and container. Didn't know yeah, didn't notice the first time around, but I think it's hers, her box. Oh, is that? Uh, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't understand that. I saw them take the box, right. and I, clearly somebody left it behind. Yeah, it happens really quickly right. uh, because they all get off really quickly. But I think that it's hers, and the whole thing is him trying to return it to her. Ah. So, so you see, you see him like going up, doing all of these motions that everyone else is doing, like trying to fit in to this. But then, like, on the escalator, him, like, looking, kind of holding it up and looking over through the sea of people trying to get her attention. Totally, dude. And, yeah. Did not get that at all in the several times I watched it. Like I said, I didn't either. And I think it's it, it's because it happened so quick, but the camera does show a shot of just the box. And it was where, it wasn't where he's sitting. Like, he goes and gets it. Yeah. But, yeah, it happens so fast that I don't think it's super clear. But then, once you know that, you notice that his motions are either... Like he's trying to go find her, not just to like see her again, but to return this thing. Yeah, is the way I the way I took it. Got it. Yeah. See, I I didn't get that at all, but that it totally makes sense. I thought the next sequence right after that, mm -hmm. where he's kind of, it looks like he's running through this kind of cave. Yeah. Area like he's in a canyon of some kind, and there's these crazy lights, lights and stuff. The lights were really, I I think I said out loud, I was like, how the fuck did they do this? <laughs> yeah, and it's a, there's like a pretty cool tracking shot too. Right. I feel like that whole whole part was, was really well done. The whole thing does have a very 1984 vibe, the, the mm -hmm. idea of big brothers watching you, mm -hmm. and you have to go along with the grain mm -hmm. in, in order to avoid retribution of some kind. Right. It's very dystopian future. And, and then, I mean, I love the, just the color of this, color grading. I love the sh shadows. I love the overhead shots. And then just the way the camera positioning on a lot of the, uh, like the shots of the incline, like at first it kind of seems fl like flat and right. they're leaning. Not only was the framing and stuff really cool, but 
all the choreography added to to that and it was it seemed magical you know when michael jackson does the uh the forward lean yeah, situation yeah. The like there's a, whatever yeah, yeah there's like some of that the description of that that show i was talking about that uh damien put on or the, created that's the yeah it's choreographer. A, yeah, Damien Jolet. Yeah. I think is how you say it. In the description, it says, uh, the human body becomes the crossroad between will, resistance, collapse, and resilience, where the relationship with others is often the only comfort against the call of the void, which is a heavy sentence. Very heavy, but, <laughs> but I they're really all love it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but they're all kind of like falling into this incline, but they're... Um, the call of the void. Like just, just that. And <laughs> that should be the title of a book or something. Right. Dear God. It's just a representation of human interaction and how, you know, it's the hope that we we have in this thing. Or it's like yeah. a physical representation of that. The only thing we've got here are other people like in in this existence right because otherwise we're just alone on on this rock yeah and it's easy to fall into routine yeah so that all reminds me a lot of people bring this up but it reminds me of the david foster wallace speech this is water yeah it's like yeah recognizing the things out of like getting out of routine and recognizing the the smaller things that you would typically go unnoticed and if you haven't heard that it's a something you should definitely go check out it's great there's also like an animated version of the speech and there's a um they put it in uh, a book form as well oh cool i think that sort of is uh reflected in the short film of just their relationship so that sequence right after the the like kind of white incline or whatever the platform they're on he like essentially wakes up in an alley and Mm -hmm. she's there and they have this interaction together and they get like face to face very close to each other which i thought was very nice Mm -hmm. and then but the the most the one of the most visually stunning shots i think is when they're running together moving quickly through this crowd that seems to like they almost seem like they're fighting one another or it's just this chaos right Mm -hmm. and they're and it's they're running out of darkness and into this big cloud of dust that's got it's backlit. So it's yeah. just this big, bright, unknown chaos. Mm-hmm. Right. But at least it's they're going they're heading towards the light together. Yeah. And I thought I didn't understand it at the time. I still don't really. Honestly, <laughs> you're helping me understand this all of it a lot better because I the, my whole reaction to this whole film was I don't get any of this. Yeah. But I will say that, that particular shot was visually stunning yeah. and, and uh, I thought it was really nice. When it shifts from the platform thing to him being like lying down, so there's all that like trash swirling around him on that platform and he's yeah. alone and then he's on his side on the ground with the side of his face and it's a totally different environment. You don't know where he's at, but he still looks alone. And as the camera comes up, you see her up against the wall you know that they both made it together at that at that point to however they got in the situation and i thought that was impactful reveal there this is also to don chorus which was like an amazing track off the album back up the call this song anyways but that whole scene where they're slowly going over each other on the wall and then it gets kind of faster that song has that sort of sense of like whirling and kind of hypnosis almost it's very dreamlike hypnosis yeah. is a great word for um, it it's my favorite so, song in in the film for yeah. sure and those scenes go so perfectly with with the song and and then even part of it is funny because it's probably because we just did this, but there's a when they are in the alleyways, there's a shot that just reminds me of a before trilogy shot. Okay, I'm so glad you said that because the shot right after that where they they like they're like twirling through what looks like a park, and then you see a bunch of other people twirling through the yeah. park, reminded me of the park in Before Sunrise. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So that's but like so there's funny. yeah it's it's probably the the cobblestone streets with the, you know, 
obviously two people. Right. I really love I really love that that whole part and goes I think really perfectly with the with that song Don Chorus. Yeah. Which has been in the in Radiohead lore for a while and just has been in something that they haven't released uh, and he ended up releasing it solo but I think it was originally something that they thought was the title of a track back in like 2008 maybe. Oh really? And then had always been this thing that was never released and he finally released it. And there's been other songs like that that they've kind of held onto and released in a different form, but um yeah, it's great. Um another thing, okay, so I'll tell you my favorite shot of the whole thing. How yeah. how does that sound? That sounds good. Cuz it's also next in the chronological order of the of the piece. Perfect. We've talked about our reminders of the before sunset. So right. like there's the the alleyway and then they go mm-hmm. through this kind of park. Then they go get on this kind of train above ground train tram right. trolley situation. Mm-hmm. The two characters sit across from one another. Yeah. And there's the shot where the camera is essentially on the floor looking up. Right. Right directly between the two characters. Yeah. And I don't know what it is about this shot that's so visually stunning, but I really, really loved it. It's the only thing I put a little heart by in my notes. I put a lot of hearts in my notes, guys. <laughs> it's something about it. And now that you've kind of held my hand through understanding some of the uh, no. visual imagery, <laughs> the, now it makes sense of these two have finally kind of come together. And now, because what they're doing is like like touching each other's face and like right. kind of There's doing these of like, like binocular things. Yeah. So like they're getting to know each other and, and it's a very interesting vantage point for the audience when we're directly below them looking up almost like a baby or a child looking up their parents or something yeah. or, or I, you know, I don't know, but something about it felt very intimate. It's the most yeah. intimate shot maybe of the whole thing. Maybe that's what it is. I like all of the playfulness and just the physicality of the whole thing. Obviously there's not, there's no, there's no dialogue or anything. It's all chasing or discovering each other through, all through movement, their baby. through movements. Yeah, and and it's cool. I think he does a really great job of embodying his, you know, the character and showing these things through physicality. Like he's not everyone else around him is our professional dancers, and he's doing some some good physical acting. Whether it's like reminiscent of some old physical slapstick actors and stuff or like Buster Keaton or or Charlie Chaplin. I think he does a good job. Yeah, he doesn't look out of place really at any point. The three songs that they do play, Not the News is the the opening and then Traffic uh, and then Don Chorus. I don't really know what to make of the ending of it. I think it's a nice shot, but it does, the music fades out. There's sunshine which we haven't seen the whole time right and then you hear the birds and everything you're you're taken from this world into something brighter above ground so i don't know that's the only thing i could think of was that just his uh perspective or attitude shift or i mean he definitely goes back physically goes back to kind of a nodding off sleeping state again so my my only thought was maybe that was a weird crazy dream of something and, and mm-hmm. this is him coming out of it you know the birds chirping and the sun is indicative of morning yeah that's not the deepest read so i'm sure there's more to yeah it than that i do like the this i think the song choices for this particular the three that they chose work really well with the the scenarios yeah well talk to me about the music i confession time have not listened to the entire album all the way through. That's all right. And what I have heard of the album, I didn't love. It's definitely not music I would listen to on a regular basis for yeah. sure. I mean, but my tastes are more populist, you know, like I, I listen to a lot more mainstream stuff. Yeah. Um, but like y- you have obviously listened to this album more than I have. So tell me, I don't know, tell me some stuff. Yeah, no, I think uh, first of all, we kind of, touched on it earlier but it is um sort of a new direction for him although his solo projects have gone in this more electronic direction and um this genre has been labeled or albums like this have been labeled like idm so that you have electronic dance music as edm and then idm being intelligent dance music <laughs> which which i think burn practically, edm <laughs> which i think You're practically dumb. everyone hates to be <laughs> labeled in that but I, I think that came up in like uh in the 90s as a way to describe like apex twin and just some 
some music that was not for you know the club is a little more cerebral and right more atmospheric and less less dancey i would describe this as definitely like cerebral music and a lot of radiohead stuff is like that too but i do think that there's like a tenderness in the vocals and lyrics that elevates this from being just kind of like electronic noises right and then obviously things like don chorus are quite different from stuff um like traffic and twist and otherwise i think the sounds are kind of alien, but he brings the solar humanity or whatever to it. Different from some of the previous solo work and the um, Adams for Peace album. Is there is that that tenderness or even, I don't know, it doesn't seem so distant, I think. Um, even, even though some of the soundscapes might seem like that. Just some of my favorite. I really like Twist, which is the third track. I like really love the build on. I love his vocals and the samples on that track. That that was the album that I was like, or the the track that I was like, yeah, I don't know if this is for me. <laughs> Which one? <laughs> Twist. Oh, the third one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because it. Well, the bridge is crazy in that song. This they like synth swells and stuff are are nuts. But it reminds me of um, you know, so Jamie XX from he put out a really cool album with a lot of collaborations on that too. Um, I think it's called In Color. Super bright, colorful album cover this song in particular reminds the build of it and the sound just reminds me of like a jamie xx song with a radiohead twist uh specifically from that album so jamie xx is from the xx if you ever yeah i know those yeah and then don chorus i just i really liked we talked about it earlier but i think it's just a hypnotic track super like intimate and cinematic feeling it definitely does feel compared to the first two tracks that are in the film it feels the most human. So when you talk about the soul of it, mm-hmm. it, it also happens to be the track they use when our two characters come together for the right. first time, which I'm sure is on purpose. Right. So uh, I buy that. Yeah. I like that track. Yeah, so parts of Don Chorus, I th- think just like the synth chords and stuff in that, it reminds me of like, in the way it has this like hypnotic whirling feeling. Like, uh, did you, have you seen Under the Skin? Yes, with uh, ScarJo. Yeah, ScarJo some of those like really striking dark uh visuals and stuff that or like spoiler alert for annihilation oh but the whole like formation scene of the at the end yeah yeah this album sounded like a movie score like it didn't sound like a standalone album that i would listen to but it sounded like a score that would make a film that could enhance a film if that makes sense and I was trying to think of what movie, like, and I couldn't think of anything, but Under the Skin makes sense. Annihilation yeah. makes sense. It's it's just movies that are very cerebral. Like Alien, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, I think, uh, as a piece that, that enhances another work of art, something visual, Yeah, I totally buy it. Right. Well, I'd advise anyone listening to this just to give it a good headphone, nighttime, sleepy listen. I just feel like it's really immersive in that way. A lot of, I mean, a lot of albums like it, I think, warrant that sort of listening or i've always felt that i get the best experience at least doing a run through that way it's not something you like put on as background music or something it it's way less interesting that way if you're not completely in it it's got somewhat of a black mirror ish vibe to it also i could i could hear this scoring an episode of that program i know we had talked a little bit about other people doing these these things and so we have Beyonce's Homecoming is another project where you you have a visual element in terms of directors teaming up with artists for things there's the the Scorsese Bob Dylan yeah um, documentary yeah and I, I feel like I haven't seen it but I feel like it plays out a little bit more um, musical than than like a than, straight doc yeah and then a straight doc I think yeah there's some elements to it that are different than just a straight music doc. Yeah. But. I, I imagine as we continue to talk about stuff like this, we're going to keep coming back to this idea of form because all these things that you just mentioned 
are all kind of different from each other in different ways. This is a pretty straightforward short film in terms of they just took a couple songs and put some visuals to it, mm-hmm. uh, and, it and it's an abstract story. I'm Easy to Find is similar in that it's it's a short film. It's scored by, by songs from the album. You know, Lemonade, we mentioned, is a visual album, just like Janelle Monae's Dirty Computer. My point is that there's so many new and different ways that artists are choosing to add visual elements to their music. Even what we were talking about earlier with Guava, yeah, that film can stand alone by itself right. without an album, unlike, I think, Anima mm-hmm. as a short film can. Right. Uh, but it is taking something that exists in, in singles from Childish Gambino yeah. and adding a visual element to yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. And so, like with the Bob Dylan thing, once we, we'll probably talk about that once you and I both get to watch it. Yeah. The form of adding visual elements to music, I think, right now is changing more than it has in a long time. I think we're coming out of an era of everyone's just got music videos and even local bands all the way up to yeah. the biggest acts in the world are just putting their music videos on YouTube or whatever. Right, and it's like, what can we do that's more than than just that and right. keep keep it fresh and interesting? Uh, because at one point, music videos, you know, had their their peak and I still think they're important and I love watching them like I was saying about the the stay high video but those are for most of the time for singles and are kind of something you watch and maybe find interesting or like Childish Gambino's music videos are awesome but I don't uh, return to them or think of them in terms of like a bigger context than those specific songs all the time right Right. I mean these are pretty big name (laughs) huge name directors that that artists are working with and I'm excited for for more like that like I think uh last time Frank Ocean released an album he there was the whole visual element leading up and it was like a big you know no one knew what was going on it's a big surprise and they had uh first he released Endless and there was the whole the video of him building something and what's going on since then he's worked with Spike Jones on on live stuff that he's done that have been a really cool collaborations but i think he would be someone who obviously could produce something extraordinary with yeah with a big name director and has the reach to to make it a really popular video yeah um or project another interesting element is i think kind of the business side of this is how we kind of talked about it a little bit with with uh guava is yeah. the way in which these things are being released mm-hmm. lemonade was released on hbo i believe Guava Island is streaming on Amazon Prime and and debuted at Coachella. Anima is a Netflix release that probably had a a theatrical release somewhere. I wouldn't be surprised to see more and more collaborations like that with the streaming platforms that are out there, especially because more and more people are flocking to streaming and more and more companies are getting into that realm. Most TV networks are now having their own streaming platforms uh, platform right. Disney's about to do Disney Plus and and all all this stuff, so um, I I wouldn't be surprised to see this become more and more common when artists have big releases or or big concerts. You know Taylor Swift has a has a live concert on Netflix too that I think was somewhat popular when it dropped. I didn't I didn't catch that one. Going back to what you're talking about with directors, if you could put together your dream duo of this artist and this director to make either a short film or do some sort of visual representation. Is there anything that comes to mind? Spike Jones and Frank Ocean doing an actual video project and not just him filming. Because Spike Jones did the the new Aziz Ansari. Yes, the stand-up special. Stand-up special, yeah. Yeah. Which was a really interesting way to to film a stand-up special. I haven't seen it yet. But it seems like he's just filming these live events uh, in a new way. Right. Uh, and the the live show that he did for Frank was really, really cool. Just visually, it adds a component to a live performance that, that I think really fits Frank and especially Blonde. So I would love to see, I, I mean, I like a lot of Spike Jones films and I would love to see him do something bigger with Frank than just filming the live stuff. Yeah. I've got one. Yeah. If Quentin Tarantino worked with somebody like Jack White, yeah, I'd be into that. I mean, Bjork would be another awesome 
person to see a, a long form thing from just because a lot of her songs are just so cinematic. Oh, and she's a very visually interesting person anyway right. in her style. I, I just think it's evolving and it's interesting because music videos seemed like they were falling out of style. I've seen local artists ask people on Facebook, do you guys even care about music videos? Does yeah, any, Does anybody bother? Like, And it is a valid question because on a, on, on a local level, a lot of people kind of don't unless you're doing something super cool, right? Right. And and I think it is a valid question because a lot of mainstream artists, I don't watch music. You know, like I thought This Is America was awesome. Yeah. And I, I like a lot of Childish Gambino's music videos. And if it's, it seems like one of those things that if you're a diehard fan, then you do that that deep dive. But yeah. it's, I don't, I feel like we have reached a point where music videos, you know, MTV is not showing music videos anymore, probably for a reason, because they make more money and, and get more eyeballs off reality TV and whatever. Yeah. And so I think in a lot of ways, the art of the music video has kind of fallen out of, it's not as fashionable right. or exciting as it once was. So, But it'd be cool to see, yeah, a shift in, in that. And I think there was we're starting in these, to. Yeah. You know, there's big artists that put out, if they put out really quality music videos, I do feel like they, I mean, those things go viral or you definitely have fans in the community who are very interactive with them. Like, I mean, I'm thinking of like Kendrick's music videos sure. are always big productions and I think really great. And big artists like that, they're still, labels are still spending tons of money oh, on yeah. this. So it's still a thing. I mean, it's, I'm I'm not saying that they're, that the art form is is gone or or anything like no, that. No, but but I used to I I do remember watching just videos after videos after videos on on things you know like MTV or. Yeah, I I just think it's becoming one of those things, especially now that that producing video of any kind is is easier now than it ever has been. Uh, cameras are cheaper. Mo- you know, you can shoot it on an iPhone if you really needed to. Mm-hmm. Um. So it's more accessible than ever, but I think that also means that your content has to be that much better to stand out. That's part of why we might get the sense that music videos might matter less because there is, I think there's so much more content out there that it all becomes white noise Yeah, at, to some extent, unless something super stands out. Yeah, yeah. Which also is not the worst thing. Like, I watched a bunch of bad music videos, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I should ask, since this is Happy Tears, oh, yeah. with any of this uh, that we've talked about today with Guava or Anima, any any Happy Tears at any point? Yeah, I think, I mean, the things that kind of just ob- obviously stand out are like the beach scene um, in Guava uh, and the song the Summertime Magic. And then in terms of an Anima, I I really love the the reveal of her in that alley and then the kind of slow, playful, like one of them going over the other person and then back up against the wall again. And then that kind of turning into a sort of dance of its own when it's when they're kind of swirling together. And then after she like hops on his back and they're kind of doing still kind of swirling as well in that, that whole part, I just, I was, I've, I've loved and I was definitely in, emotionally invested in it the whole time. But I think those are the parts that I had that sort of reaction to. Yeah, not not so much for me. I get it. I didn't really get any. Like, <laughs> there are parts I liked of each thing, but not. Yeah. I didn't get a huge emotional. Even even Guava, which right. I love, Donald Glover, but um, yeah, yeah, and that's okay. I can like it and not have happy tears. That's fair. But happy tears is like the holy grail. <laughs> so that's what we're going for here. It is. So Guava Island is available on Amazon Prime streaming and Anima is on Netflix. They're both easily streamable and reachable if you have those serv- if you pay for those services. Correct. <laughs> and uh, I think they come recommended by both of us, especially you for Anima and me. Eh. If you don't listen to Radiohead, you can skip it. <laughs> That's how I feel about it. Don't listen to Nick. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Happy Tears. Happy Tears is produced by Nick Melita and Brandon Henry. 
You can find us online at happytearspod.com. That's where you'll find the latest of what we're up to, future episode discussion topics, as well as resources from this episode, like the Danny Nadelko Glastonbury performance, the Brittany Howard Stay High music video, and things we talked about in the main part of the episode, like the Tom York Staying Low interview, or the David Foster Wallace This Is Water presentation. You can find us on Instagram at Happy Tears Podcast. Nick is at Melitagram, and Brandon is at Mr. Brandon Henry. Original theme music by Homage, youtube.com slash Homage Beats. Be sure to follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts so that you're always up to date on new episodes. And uh, that's it. So go home. Unless you're already at home, in which case, (laughs) go outside. Farewell!